بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم ما بعد continuing with the discussion of these four actions which alhamdulillah every year we revise this and as mentioned yesterday that this is what hazrat abdullah used to state that this is his 80 years experience the person who acquires these four things then everything else would be very easy comparatively the first aspect we had discussed yesterday was the aspect of the beard the second action to keep the ankles exposed that is not to cover the ankles with the trouser pants kurta etc it is haram and a major sin for males to cover their ankles with their garments the narration of bukhari sharif states ما اسفل من الكعبين من الازار في النار whatever portion of the ankles is covered by any garments such as the pants lungi kurta sheet etc will be in the fire it is clearly understood from this narration that to cover the ankles is a major sin since the warning of punishment of the fire of jahannam is not given with regard to minor sins بذل المجهود كومنتري اوف سنن ابو داود علامه خليل احمد سارمپوری رحمۃ اللہ علیہ رائٹس دیٹ ازار ان دی ابو حدیث ریفرز ٹو ایوری سچ گارمنٹ دیٹ کورز دی اینکلز فرام ابو سچ ایز دی پینٹس لونگی کرتا ایٹسٹرا تو کور دی اینکلز وت سچ گارمنٹس ایز از فوربیڈن ازار ڈز ناٹ ریفر ٹو اینی تھنگ دیٹ از وارن فرام بلو سچ ایز ساکس ہینس دیر از نو سن ان کورنگ دی اینکلز وت ساکس دیرفور If somebody really wishes to cover his ankles he should wear socks the prohibition of covering the ankles with garments worn from above is applicable in two conditions one while standing number two while walking thus while sitting or reclining if the ankles are covered by one's izar there is no harm some people are under the serious misconception that it is only necessary to expose the ankles in salah therefore upon entering the masjid they fold up their pants and expose their ankles and upon leaving once more unfold the pants it should be remembered well that the prohibition of covering the ankles is not restricted to salah the ankles must remain uncovered by one's pants kurta etc while standing or walking or else one would be committing a major sin علامہ خلیل احمد سہارنپوری رحمۃ اللہ علیہ آلسو رائٹس دیٹ وہاد آف حق الرجال دون النساء دس کمانڈ آف انکورنگ دا اینکلز اپلائز ٹو میلز اینڈ ناٹ ٹو فیمیلز ونس اے صحابی رضی اللہ عنہ سیٹ ٹو رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم انی حمیش الساقین دیٹ مائی شنز ہیو ڈرائیڈ اپ وٹ دس مینٹ واز دیٹ ڈیو ٹو دا نیرونس آف مائی شنز انکلوڈنگ مائی اینکلز having dried up and becoming thin and unsightly i wish to cover my ankles however rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam did not permit him to do so instead he said inna allaha la yuhibbul musbila that verily allah taala does not love the one who covers the ankles according to some scholars that this is something which is regarded as makruh 
So, if somebody feels that it's not in the category of haram, it's in the category of makru, which from the hadith it's clear that this is something of a serious nature, but this category of makru, generally when we say certain thing is makru, what goes through our minds, that well, this is fine. It's makru, if it's haram, then it's not fine. And if it's makru, then it's fine. That is a serious misconception. Makru doesn't mean it's fine. The word makru means detested. Now, a person who does something that is detested, whatever the technical category of it might be, but his hope and his effort is to become mahboob, to become the beloved of Allah Ta'ala. So something that is makru in the sight of Allah Ta'ala, if he's going to be adopting that, how is going to become mahboob? So makru is not something that means that it's fine, it's something that no problem if you do it. It's something that should not be done. The classification, this is something that the fuqaha have done for our ease in certain aspects that there is some kind of understanding that what has to be given prior importance and cannot be left out under any circumstances because it is farz or then it is wajib or what might not be of that category but if it is left out it will still be serious and one will be accountable for it, the sunnat muakkada so in order to make that clear to us that look these things cannot be compromised so they classified these in the light of ahadith, in the light of the Quran and Sunnah. And then certain aspects have been classified as sunnat as ghairbu akkada. Again, shaitan plays this trick with our minds. But well, it's sunnat ghairbu akkada. So therefore this means that it can be left out. Technically speaking, if a person leaves it out, he won't be accountable but the way that we adopt that, the approach that we adopt that can be left out meaning it should be left out. In practice, that's the approach. That is sunnah So if it's not done, there's no problem. So leave it out. Whereas in the time of the Sahaba Ikram, the classification for them was this has to be done and this must not be done. Then if it was a mustahab action, that was something for them not to be left out under any circumstances. The technical situation, classification is all in its place. So this is something that the fuqaha have made clear for us, so that a person understands that look, these things cannot be compromised under any, under any circumstances. As far as something that is mustahab is concerned, okay, if a person still hasn't yet adopted a certain mustahab act, so he will not be told that he is sinful or he will be accountable, but it's not that he should be feeling uh, unconcerned about it, that well it's mustahab so it doesn't matter. No, there should be some concern that this too I should adopt. This too is something somewhere down the line that I need to make an effort to bring this also in my life. And likewise the opposite. Something is haram is haram. Something is makru is tahrimi that is also almost like haram. The difference is merely a technical classification, otherwise in practice there is no difference. 
whatever is the issue in terms of haram, the same has to happen in terms of makroet tahrimi that it is not touched. Meaning, one doesn't go anywhere near it. Makruet tanzihi doesn't mean that this is something that is fine to adopt. It means that this too has to be refrained from. These are technical classifications in the light of Quran and Sunnah for our ears. So in any case, the hadith that we had just discussed was that this person, so to say, asked for some concession. says that my ankles, shins, ankles have dried up. So in other words, it has become unsightly, so therefore he wanted to keep it covered. But the reply he got was, that the Bismillah said, Inna Allah la yuhibbul musbila. Verily Allah Ta'ala does not love the one who covers the ankles. Dear friends, ponder, is it wise that one should deprive himself of the love of Allah Ta'ala by means of covering his ankles? On another occasion, Rasulullah Sallallahu said to a Sahabi, radiallahu anhu, whose sheet was dragging on the floor, that amalaka fiya uswatun, is there not an example for you in my way of life? The, this is the summary of the Hadith Sharif. The detail in that Hadith Sharif is that Nabi Salaam saw this person walking in this manner and he from behind called out to him and told him that lift your garment above, raise it. Irfa izarak. Fa innahu anqa wa atqa. Because this is more closer to piety and it will be also something that will keep it clean also. This person, he just spontaneously replied by saying that this is a very insignificant sheet, it is not something very expensive or something very of high quality, it is something fine if it gets dirty in other words, not, not no big deal. Now this is the thought that crossed his mind at the time and he just mentioned this, that perhaps this was more for the sake of keeping it clean. So he felt, well this one if it gets a little bit dirty is not, not a big problem. So Rasulullah didn't give him any other answer thereafter of any kind of reasoning that why it should be still raised etc. gave him one answer which is the principle across the board. And the one answer is, Amalaka fiya uswatun. That is there not a good example for you in my way? And the way Nabi Salaam, he says, I saw Nabi Salaam and his garment was midway between on his shin. So that is how Nabi Salaam kept it. But the concession is that if a person wants to lower it a bit, it can be, but not covering the ankles. So this is the principal issue across the board in every aspect to keep pondering and thinking that what I want to do, I want to adopt a certain thing, is this in keeping with the sunnah and the way of Rasulullah The question is actually an affectionate warning. Thus the mere claim of love is not sufficient. Love in reality forces one to follow his beloved. The poet expresses this in the following couplet. لو كان حبك صادقا لأطعته إن المحب لمن يحب مطيعه. That had you been true in your love, you would have obeyed him. 
Verily the lover is obedient to the beloved. Love is something, first the love of the being comes inside the heart. Then that love expresses itself externally. It is not, and it won't happen generally, 99.9% of the time, that a person is, so to say, expressing something externally, but it doesn't exist within him. In terms of love, that, that love is not in the heart, but it is expressing something, is that something on a level of nifak, that's something else. But this will be the case, that first love settles for some being in the heart. Then the ways of that person get expressed as well externally. So if a person is adopting the styles of some person, some falling star of this dunya, some person, Allah forbid, who doesn't even have iman, it is not that he just liked that style, it first becomes, and it's something so subtle, a person won't acknowledge it in those words, but now a certain falling star, these pop stars, Allah forbid that they are causing destruction to themselves and people who follow as well. So a person who follows the style of that person, it's not that it's just the style of that person. If supposing that person was regarded as a despicable person, he'll never do anything that that person does. If in his eyes that person was regarded as despicable, then why would he adopt anything that he would not have, want to have nothing to do with anything that that person does. But he adopted that person's hairstyle. Now that hairstyle nobody else had. And if this so-called pop star didn't have it, if he didn't suddenly come out with it, then you could have offered some person maybe a few thousand rands also to adopt that hairstyle and walk around and he will blankly refuse, he'll think is something wrong with me. That's the question he might ask, that you think something is wrong with me. Think I'm shoe bob short. But suddenly when that pop star came, all his, he became completely short. <laughs> so what happened was, first it was some attachment with that person. Some admiration of the person came in. And because of the admiration of that person to some degree settling in the heart, now he is eager to adopt the ways of the person. So now he will adopt the hairstyle of the person, he will adopt that person's way of dressing, then he will adopt that person's way of walking, and that whatever that person is doing, that will carry on. Now this is the issue that a mu'min, his Love is with the being of Nabi Sallallahu The personality of Nabi Sallallahu And because of the love of the being and the love of the personality of Nabi Sallallahu now as a result he loves everything about Nabi Sallallahu He loves everything that Nabi Sallallahu did. And because of that Love in his heart for the being of Nabi Sallallahu he wants to follow everything in the way Nabi Sallallahu did it. So this is a very 
critical thing actually that in terms of the following of the western lifestyle, western things, the way of the Yahud and Nasara, it's something to look deep down that what came in first and whether we will acknowledge it or not, the first thing that comes in is the admiration for the person, for the people. Then comes their ways. Many a times when there's some issue and then people undertake some kind of boycott, economic boycott. So, what is the objective of the boycott? The objective of the boycott is that if you will stop buying the things of these people, that these are products that come from the Jews, for example, so then this will become a means of weakening them economically. But why is there things being boycotted? Because now there's some kind of hatred that has come up due to whatever they've done, etc. So, because that has been spurred and a person is now very upset, he is angered by whatever has been done to his fellow Muslims, etc. So now therefore, this is the step he's taking. So first he became upset with the people. First he became upset with the community. Now that he became upset with the community, he is expressing his frustration or his dislike or his disgust or whatever. He is expressing it in action by boycotting their products. So as far as any human being is concerned, as long as there is life, you will have hope that inshallah Allah Ta'ala make dua, Allah Ta'ala grant everyone iman. But the same concept that we understood, that because of being upset about somebody, so now we are avoiding or cutting off, this is another discussion on its own, what is the merits of this, so we are not getting into that, this is just as an example. So now a person is boycotting those products, but the boycott is not just of the products, it's of that community, it's of that people. So more important is to boycott their lifestyle. More important is to boycott their ways, because their ways oppose the ways of Rasulullah Their lifestyle opposes the lifestyle of Rasulullah but now there is some admiration for that in some way very subtle and therefore their lifestyle is being taken but their products are being boycotted now that's a contradiction because a product is a secondary thing that lifestyle is a part of the person so this is the aspect that it's a very deep thing very critical thing that a person needs to check within himself that if he's adopting something, he wants to have his wedding in a certain style, which is resembling the style of the Yahud and Nasara, why? There could be other reasons as well, just meaning the ego, whatever else. But in that expressing of that ego, why in their style, there is some admiration of what they are doing. If there was no admiration for it, a person won't do it. He won't adopt it, he'll look for something else. So this admiration is a very dangerous thing for the wrong people. 
The Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala says, وَلَا تَرْكَنُوا إِلَى الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا فَتَمَسَّكُمُ النَّارِ And do not even incline, rukun, وَلَا تَرْكَنُوا Allah said, this is a very, very frightening ayat. Because here Allah Ta'ala doesn't say, do not follow, do not adopt the ways. This is something which is even before that. And this is the aspect that is being discussed, that first comes this inclination from the heart towards the people and then their things. So Allah Ta'ala is saying, don't even incline towards the oppressors, those who have oppressed themselves, don't even incline to them. Now this is something that a person hasn't adopted anything of this, he hasn't undertaken to take on their style, their way of life or anything. But his heart is inclined to do that or to them. Allah Ta'ala is sounding the warning, otherwise this could result in you being afflicted with the punishment of the fire. So this is something that needs to be all the time we reflecting that what is the inclination of our heart, where are we, and all the time that we should be focused towards the, the love of Nabi Sallallahu the being of Nabi Sallallahu his love should be deep down in our hearts and that love will translate into action that we are going to now adopt all the things that Nabi Sallallahu has given or whatever he did. The dictates of the love of Allah Ta'ala, for Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul Sallallahu demand that we do not disobey them. If we obey every command of His then we are indeed true in our claim of love. The third action, protecting the gaze. These first two actions pertain to the external self, the beard, the garments above the ankle, and Alhamdulillah, this is something very, very simple, very easy. Most people, those who are present here, Alhamdulillah, all have adopted this. So there is no difficulty in that. This is something that if a person hasn't, doesn't have this in his life, it take a few seconds, one second, to just bring it in his life. He made the toba from trimming his beard and made the intention, now he's not going to do that, but that's done. And he raised his garments above his ankles, he's done. There's no difficulty in these actions at all. So these are the first two things. Now the third action, protecting the gaze. In this time and age, there is a great neglect in this regard. Many people do not even regard the casting of lustful glances as a sin, whereas Allah Ta'ala has given the command of protecting the gaze in the Qur'an Sharif. Allah Ta'ala says, قُلْ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ يَغُضُّوا مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِمْ Say, O Nabi, to the believers that they should lower their gazes. Again, the aspect that was mentioned yesterday and at the beginning today as well, Nazareth to state that this is his 80 years experience that is condensing in these amal, meaning that a person latches on to these four things properly, then other things will become very, very easy for him. Now the first two things, as we mentioned, is very, very easy. In one second, can come right. Then it comes to the third aspect of protecting the gaze, and Hazrat Ali used to state that this is the shortcut to wilayat in this time and age. This is the shortcut to Ilayat in the sense that that many a person, mashallah, 
is fulfilling generally all or most of the other aspects that are necessary in deen. Staying away from haram generally. Many a person, mashallah, he doesn't uh, gamble, doesn't commit zina, he doesn't involve himself in interest, in intoxicants, in so many all the major sins generally with the fazal of Allah Ta'ala, with the tawfiq of Allah Ta'ala, he refrains from it. But many a person who generally refrains from haram, but when it comes to protecting the gaze, here we find that we start slipping, and as a result, all that nur of the amal that a person has been doing, he's been regular with his salah, he's making tilawat of the Quran Sharif daily, he's making his tasbihat and zikr, he's engaging in the works of deen, and he's doing many things. MashaAllah, the more the better. But he is not progressing spiritually in terms of his connection with Allah Ta'ala, in getting closer to Allah Ta'ala in his ruhaniyat, in developing that connection and nisbat with Allah Ta'ala, that doesn't seem to be getting any better. He's still in the same spot. Despite all these amal, despite the fact that he's generally staying away from haram, more often than not, it is due to not looking after the gaze. More often than not, it is due to this casting of haram glances, misusing the eyes, that a person makes no progress in terms of his spiritual self, that he is still turning around the same block. Like the example we often give, that a person is driving around one block, and he is driving and driving, after some time somebody asks him, how many kilometers you have done? He says, I have done 500 kilometers. So how far you gone? He says, no, I am still in the same block. He has travelled 500 kilometers, but he hasn't driven one kilometer really. That 500 kilometers going around the same circle. So in terms of distance, he's covered nothing. In terms of effort, he's done a lot. So he's making a lot of efforts. And it's costing him all that petrol, etc. But he hasn't driven any significant distance. Why? Because he's going around the same block. He's not moving ahead. So likewise, mashallah, the person is making a lot of effort, he's performing all his salah well, he's performing even his nawafil, he's giving time to tilawat, he's giving time to zikr, to dua, to so many things, and then he's making an effort to stay away from other sins as well. But because of not guarding the gaze, all that noor is being drained out, and as a result, the person is still same in the same spot. So this is the reason, as it is true, say that this is the shortcut to wilayat. Meaning for a person who is already, mashallah, engaging himself in all his amal, it's not that a person just now tries to bring this one aspect in his life only, and he's neglecting the other aspects of deen, and he says, well, this was called the shortcut to wilayat. So a person cannot become the wali of Allah Ta'ala by neglecting any farz, any wajib, any sunnat muakkada and by engaging in haram, so there is no shortcut to wilayat by doing any sin. But a person who is, mashallah, generally fulfilling the other things, but this is the aspect that is missing. Now previously, people undertook great mujahada for this aspiration to become the close friends of Allah Ta'ala, 
Allah says in this time and age, in the situation that we live in, that at every step a person is confronted with something that is now trying to make him misuse his gaze. And in this time and age, a person protects his gaze. He undertakes the mujahada that comes, but he does not allow his gaze to fall on haram, meaning does not deliberately cast any haram glance. This is the shortcut to life in this time and age. What people achieved with great mujahada of a different nature in previous times, very great mujahada. People would stay for years on end in some khanqa, etc., and they would be put through some major exercises, major mujahada, in order to cleanse this nafs and soul from all the evils that creep in, from all the evil qualities. And so that mujahada that they had to make in that time and age, which we are not even capable of doing a fraction of it now, but inshallah we will also get the same kind of end result they got in this time and age, with obviously other things also being put into place, but the priority being given to making sure that this gaze is brought under control. And a person doesn't cast any haram glances, doesn't look at haram, etc. Then inshallah the road is wide open. Then there is no obstacle left inshallah. So this is the reason for having emphasized this so much. It is a command of Allah Ta'ala in any case, but out of all the commands, the emphasis being given to this is that this is the key to the door in moving on in terms of wilayat. So in the Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala states, قُلْ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ يَغُدُّوا مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِمْ Say, O Nabi Wasallam, to the believers that they should lower their gazes. This refers to not looking at non-mahram women. Likewise, they should not gaze at beardless youth. In fact, even if a youngster's beard has grown to some extent, but one still finds the heart someone in, somewhat inclined towards him, then to look at him is haram. The crux of the matter is that any such face which one derives haram pleasure from gazing at, it is haram to look at such a face. The protection of the gaze is such an important aspect that Allah Ta'ala has separately commanded the woman to also guard their gazes. Allah Ta'ala says, وَقُلْ لِلْمُؤْمِنَاتِ يَغْضُدُنَ مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِنْ The Quran Sharif generally addresses everybody in one gender, though in Arabic the genders have a different form of expression. In English it's all the same. But in Arabic for the for a male the word that is used will be slightly different. There's a different formation. It's anta for a male you the female will be anti. Sounds very close to anti but that's the way of, for somebody to understand that there's a difference. So now, similarly, in all the other addresses, there's a difference in the address to the male and female. The Qur'an Sharif gives a command in the male gender, throughout the Qur'an Sharif, generally. In the male gender, but this is not, the, the instruction or the command is not confined to males. Instruction is for everybody. Aqimus Salah, this is the formation of the word is for the male gender. But the instruction is for men and women that establish salah. So all the commands generally, one gender is used and everybody is commanded in that. When it comes to the aspect of guarding the gaze, 
Allah Ta'ala separately addresses the males. Then the ayat that follows, the females are separately commanded. And say to the believing woman to lower their gaze. This is itself something that highlights the importance. That when it comes to this particular aspect, this was something separately instructed to males and another separate instruction to females. This is what is being mentioned here, that Allah Ta'ala separately commanded even the females. This aspect is unlike the commands of Salah, fasting and other injunctions, wherein women have not been given an independent command. Rather the males have been addressed and women have been included in these commands on the basis of being subservient to men. In the narration of Bukhari Sharif, it is reported that Rasulullah said, Zina al-Aini an-Nazar that casting lustful glances is the fornication of the eyes. One who casts lustful glances as, and, is in, and is indulging in fornication cannot even dream of becoming a wali of Allah Ta'ala unless he sincerely repents from this evil. In another narration, Rasulullah is reported to have said, لَعَنَ اللَّهُ النَّاظِرَ وَالْمَنْزُورَ إِلَيْهِ May the curse of Allah Ta'ala be upon the one who casts lustful glances as well as the one who emerges in such a manner that lustful glances are cast at her. In this hadith, Rasulullah has cursed both the person who casts lustful glances as well as the one who is gazed at due to not adopting hijab. Some female came out of the home for whatever the reason might have been and she did not adopt in the proper manner, she did not cover herself correctly and as a result, now somebody else is casting some lustful glance at her both are being cursed the person casting the glance is cursed and the person who is being looked at is being cursed those who fear the curse of the awliya and pious people should fear the curse of Rasulullah since piety is acquired in becoming true slaves of Rasulullah what is being mentioned is that many a times person is very concerned that he must not get cursed by some pious person, let alone pious person. Many a person gets very concerned he mustn't get cursed by somebody who just apparently seems to know some kind of amaliyat and taweez. says, no, no, this person don't cross his path. Might make one baddua on you. Everything might just collapse. Whereas that is not the way things are really, that we should be concerned that what is the correct thing. If a person is doing something correct, then nobody's curse can then affect him. So, in any case, the point here is that person becomes very concerned that he must not incur the curse of the pious people, the awliya. What about the curse that Rasulullah incurred? how much more serious that is and how much more concerned the person should be that he should be saving himself from that curse. Therefore, if an accidental gaze falls upon a beautiful face, turn the gaze away immediately. Do not allow the gaze to remain on that face even for one moment. It is clearly understood from the verse of the Quran Sharif and the Ahadith 
that one who casts lustful glances has been given the following three evil titles. In inverted commas, obviously, nobody regards this as a title, but this is the titles that the Quran Sharif and the Hadith have applied to the person who casts lustful glances. Number one, disobedient to Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Number two, fornicator of the eyes. Number three, accursed. If one is addressed with any of these titles, one will be extremely hurt and displeased. Thus, if one wishes to remain safe from these titles, it is necessary to guard the gaze. Inshallah, we will continue today's hurries earlier. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq.